pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 66. Today we're going to chat with Kevin Brittingham from Q, make a prank call about Kenny moving to California, and talk about the Smith & Wesson Shield 380 Easy. Today's panel is Sean Heron and I'm Ava Funnell. I feel like I'm fighting a little bit of a cold today. I feel like you're always fighting something. <laughs> it's, I don't know, whatever. I, I can't help it. But you know who can help us? Help us all. Manicorums. They sure can. How? Well, first off, they make a lot of cool parts, and uh, we, I don't know. What's how long? the latest part that they just made? The latest part? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Goblin Shark? Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things, actually. They made the Bullpup chassis for the Scorpion Evo in conjunction with CZ USA. That thing's going to be available in the in the coming months. And there isn't like a, a exact date that it's going to be released, but yeah. they are hoping by the end of the year. I'm sure you've seen it on our social media. It's definitely out there and it's going to be, you know, around $400. The final price hasn't been set yet, but it's very cool. If you have a Scorpion Evo, this is definitely something that you're going to want to want to look into when it's available at mandicorearms.com. You'll be able to use coupon code uh, gunfunny15 and that gets you 15% off. 15%? Are you kidding me right now? Yep. That's amazing. So go check them out. Manticore Arms and let's get into the interview. you never knew on deconstructing the industry hey kevin so thank you so much for joining us today yo 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 what's up thank you (laughs) that was just a really long awkward pause uh (laughs) so tell us about your background with firearms my background i started advanced armament when i was 19 or 20 in 1994. You know, I didn't grow up with guns. I grew up in the South in Atlanta, but in the city, uh, my family really weren't into guns. I was exposed to it my late teen years at a local gun store and range. And that just sort of blossomed into other things. And by the time I was, you know, a sophomore in college, I had started a company already that dealt in machine guns and silencers. And I've been doing it ever since. What made you decide to to go this path? You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, my path was I was going to be an attorney, and I always figured something like this. Uh, I think maybe the way I was raised um, by the people I was raised by was that you had a job that you did not like, but it provided you for money where you could do stuff on the weekends. And if you wanted to have a boat, then you had to have like a side hustle. And this was going to be like my side hustle, I think. So what were the first products that you produced? A cyclic rate reducer for the M16 for the military. Then got into silencers pretty quickly after that. Miscellaneous uh, rail accessories and things back, you know, 20, almost 25 years ago. Um, but just some minor things, but evolved into silencers relatively quickly. Interesting. And then, so at AAC, what what are they best known for in the industry, do you think? You know, I don't know, because my perspective is obviously very different. Um, I sold it to Remington in 09 and then was fired 26 months later. But I, I would say innovation, really making silencers mainstream. We had an incredible amount of military contracts. I think we made silencers mainstream within the U.S. military. And then I think from a marketing standpoint, I've always loved marketing 
you know, I still have a half pipe with two actually still skate every day. Um, that's been a big influence in my life. And I think marketing differently to, to firearms and not just the tactical crowd, but, you know, making it fun. Like I loved when you guys contacted me and it was gun funny. I didn't even put the, it took me a minute to get the whole gun bunny part. Like I, I didn't know you were sick really when you sent me the message, but uh, I love the idea of it being fun and funny. You know, I do this every day and have my entire adult life. So I quality of life and enjoying every day and it being funny and fun is neat to me. And I think that's something advanced armament. We made a connection with customers um, that I think was different than had been done in firearms before. So you said that you sold the company to Remington and then 26 months later you got fired from your own company? Yeah. So the way the deal worked, I agreed to less upfront money for more potential on the back end. Remington really pursued me and they were courting me. They, they wanted to silence your company. I didn't have any debt and I didn't need to sell the company. So I think it put me in a pretty good position and I was willing to give money up to make more in the end. So I had a five-year contract to run the company after I sold it, and then I would be compensated at the end of that based on performance. Well, my maximum compensation that I could get, which was about $10 million, we made that, we hit those numbers in 26 of 60 months. So I was trying to renegotiate my contract, and they elected to just fire me and have them sue me to get the, the money that I had earned. Wow. which I did and was successful and was paid with interest and attorney's fees. And so then I uh, went to work from SIG from there, started their silencer division, recruited their military division, did that for about two years. And we started Q. Interesting. So you're actually, you had a little bit to do, I hear, uh, with 300 blackout. Tell us that story. <laughs> yeah. So 300 blackout, we were producing all, of the silencers for a Navy special warfare group. And they had, we were there working with them on some projects and they had purchased some 300 whisper guns from JD Jones and, and just like 20 or 30 guns, maybe they were just sampling them, testing them. And so they were AR 15 based guns and 300 whisper, which the idea was they wanted, they originally wanted seven, six, two by 39, but it creates more issues when you're trying to feed it through an M4. Mm-hmm far as magazine bolt this sort of thing so they went with whisper but the guns weren't reliable and remington had just purchased my company so while we were there we looked at it and you know talked to the guy that ran the shop there and everything was in charge of the guns and asked us if we were interested in you know in in taking a look at it for a couple months and seeing if it was something we thought we could work out and uh so ended up commercializing it fixing the issues with it and brought it to market as 300 blackout that's pretty awesome so I know there's always a lot of questions and some people love 300 blackout. Some people hate it. What specifically would you say the use case is when you designed 300 blackout? Kill people. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what it's for. Um, you know, but where that equates to the commercial market, if you talk about law enforcement or self-defense, but really where I saw the beauty of it, making a, a transition to the commercial market, it's the modern 30, 30. Like at that time already, we were doing that. I was already hunting, with my son and so then we could carry one ar-15 and i could just adjust the stock to fit him in the in the hunting blind or if i was going to shoot i adjust the stock to fit me the reason the military was interested is for uh, you know the war we were fighting at the time most of the engagements were very close distances so the, the ak is much more powerful 
you know, that cartridge than the M4 cartridge at close range. So they wanted that, and they also wanted the ability to shoot silently. The Navy's always been pretty progressive when it comes to use of silencers in combat, and this was just another example. And so what you see is, you know, with the subsonic 300 blackout, 100 or 220 grain bullets, 120 dB with silencers we produce, for example. And so that's as quiet as a silence 22, but it's a 220 grain bullet. Or in the same magazine, you can have a 110 grain bullet that gives you the power of the AK and is, you know, it's, it's a great man stopper. And, you know, if it, shoot, if it kills man, then it kills white-tailed deer and all that stuff very well. And, and, and so that's, that's the way I got excited about the cartridge. And what, uh, what barrel length and twist did you kind of design it for? The original length was nine inches. And so that's a great thing about 300 Blackout, the ammo and the bullets, because we did it all. They're designed for terminal performance, so expanding out of the velocities of a nine-inch barrel. The reason nine inches was picked was, uh, and I think I've said this in some other podcasts, they already had 308 silencers from us, and they were a certain length, obviously. And so their their M4 rifles that we were converting to 300 blackout, they needed to fit in a situation for mobility, so like a rack, for instance. And so when... That's how we came up with a nine-inch barrel. We just took an M4, we laid the silencer over it, measured how long the barrel could be, and that's what we designed the ammo around. Gotcha. I think a lot of people have the misconception that you guys designed it specifically for a barrel length or either ballistic or, or silencer performance or something like that, but that's a pretty cool little factoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and the Honey Badger is a separate thing because the Honey Badger was for a separate group after 300 Blackout had been adopted, and that was had... So the honey badger that we produce here at Q and that we originally did at Advanced Armament was uh, designed to replace the MP5SD. So we had the original requirements for the MP5SD that this particular unit had, and it had to meet or surpass surpass all of that. So there's a, a, a length, uh, weight, you know, accuracy, reliability requirements. So that gun's a little different, but 300 blackout in general – no, the idea was a, a short, compact gun, and that's how we arrived at barrel length was with a silencer on the gun. It could only be the length of an M4 with a flash hider on it. And, you know, the military selected that, not us. I think it's great for the commercial market, especially now with pistol braces and stuff. You have really good ammo that you can put in a small, lightweight gun that performs terminally out of short barrels, which 5.56 generally does not. Definitely. So you left SIG, and then um, did you leave SIG with the intention to start Q, or how did that all work? Yeah, you know, SIG was really a a great way for me to get back to work. Because during my two-year lawsuit with Remington, I couldn't work. And so I was able to go back to work but not have the full responsibilities of having a business. And I had high expectations at Remington. I had high expectations at SIG. SIG is a world better than Remington. But it's still, you know, you're working in 1,200-person company. Things move slowly. It's very frustrating for me. So, you know, it got to where Ethan Lassard, who's the head of my engineering, and he was at AAC, and he's originally from SIG. I recruited him from SIG, and so we went back to SIG. He and I could design stuff, but then I didn't own production. So we'd have to wait a month to get product to test. And so really it got to where I was working one day a month. And it was very aggravating for me. Like, I work in this industry and doing what I do because I love it. I'm a product guy. I love innovation. I didn't want to, whether it was Remington or here or at SIG, 
just be there and, you know, show up at trade shows and work one day a month and collect a paycheck. It does not interest me at all. So once we kind of had those, you know, uh, realized that probably wasn't going to change, we started, we were approached originally. So we started this in March, 2016. In October of 2015, we were offered a deal to start a company. And ultimately, there was some due diligence there, and we rejected that And uh, in, in January or February and decided to start our own company then. When you started Q, what was your, what was your main goal? To be innovative, not compromised, to enjoy work every day, to not have the big company mentality and structure in place, the bureaucracy, where you spend half your day doing bullshit before you can do your job. You know, just sort of freedom and quality of life. Um, the rest sort of takes care of itself, I think, when you have motivated, smart people. And, you know, that's my job. Is The only time I ever felt like I worked a day in my life was my second year at SIG and my second year at Remington. And so I've been working for, I'm 44, it's about to be 45, so 25 years plus in this industry. And I've only had two years where I felt like I worked. Uh, so to get back to that, because I know I can be successful. Um, and I don't need, you know, some mid-level manager at a big company that is involved in marketing and worked at Black & Decker last month to tell me what the industry <laughs> wants. You know, I think I know enough and have been successful enough and where I can tell the industry what they want more than they can. And I think we're seeing the success with Q. I mean, we've got currently a seven to eight month back order on the Honey Badger and the Fix, our bolt gun. Wow. How did you come up with the name Q? You know, it depends. It, they're each different. Like a lot of it, a lot of times it involves like alcohol. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's just like the trash panda and thunder chicken. That was my son. He was, so he's about to be 15. So he was whatever, 12, 13 at the time. He woke up one morning and he's, you know, getting ready or whatever. And he's checking the blogs and stuff that he would normally look at. And the chive had a blog post that morning. It was like alternative animal names. And I'd never heard of that before. And uh, so he's just dying laughing. We start having breakfast. He shows me. And the trash panda, he loved that one. And so that's just how we decided to name things. Like, I don't, I want us to be different. But I think if we make the best product, you know, you have sort of that marketing latitude or freedom. And, uh, you know, I've done all the military stuff and the tactical stuff. And, you know, we, we've got that sort of street cred, we'll call it. You know, I don't need to pretend by naming things, you know, the axe head or whatever people would name stuff. I want it to be fun and memorable. And then it gives me the, the ability to do, you know, like the box art that you'll see if you've seen any of our silencers. Um, and I can just be more creative so I can satisfy that part of my life as well without having to have like a greeting card company or something. That's pretty awesome. So, Actually, your art, yeah. I, I saw like on Instagram some of the stuff that you you know, that you doodle on the boxes, which is really pretty incredible. I mean, you're definitely more artistic than the average person. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I know if I, if I would be, cause normally I have a couple of conference calls every day and that's when I do those. I, I won't do it here cause we're recording it. You can hear the markers like making the noise. And since I'm having to talk, I can't mute it, but, but thank you. You know, I enjoy it. I mean, I do lunch cards for my kids every day. I love art. I've always been artistic. I mean, it's something that I'm passionate about. And it's one of these weird things, like you probably have it, I'm sure, with some aspect of your life where I feel very driven to do it and almost like a compulsion. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's funny where I see some of the haters online or some of our competition, like mock me for it and all. And, you know, it's just like I get up every day and I brush my teeth, you know, like I do some type of art every day and I can't really explain why, but it's not even like it makes me happy to do it, but I almost feel like I have to do it. It's just a creative thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my outlet every day. And then I see uh, there's quite a bit of skateboard stuff. Is that from influence from your son? Well, no, you know, I've had a half pipe since I was 12 years old. I have two now. We actually have one at our, our farm in Georgia, and we have one in our backyard in um, here in New Hampshire. My son, so he goes to a boarding school in Vermont. He's um, dyslexic and has dyscalculia and dysgraphia, like some language-based learning differences. So he goes to a boarding school for mediation for that stuff. And this is a couple hours from here, so it's another reason that we're located here on the seacoast in New Hampshire. But he, I could not get him to skate his whole life. Like we had an, we have an indoor half pipe at our place in Georgia. Never skated on it. But when he was going to start going to this boarding school uh, two or three years ago, they have a skate park on campus, and that's how he became interested. So now we skate together, uh, which I love so much. But no, I did it by myself. He wasn't even interested in it until a couple of years ago. I tried to skate one time and it wasn't like do tricks or anything. It was like literally get on the board and, <laughs> and just kind of, yeah. And I ended up uh, breaking my ankle. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, at Advanced Armament, I had a skate park or a, a half pipe in our factory. And I would go and skate. There were a few employees that could skate too, but every dude, like every week, the military was there, you know, like special operations and because that was our main business and never, it never failed. One of the guys, you know, he'd be like 35 years old or whatever. He'd go, Oh man, I used to skate when I was 12 and he would see my board on the half pipe and he'd start. And I would always be like, you should not do this. <laughs> you know, and they're not going to listen. And inevitably almost every time within five seconds, they're flat on their backs, you know, with the breath knocked out of them or <laughs> smack their head on, you know, like every single time it's like, yeah, don't, it's not something you should try to learn as an adult. I do not believe. It, it, yeah, well, yeah. I couldn't even learn it when I was twelve. So yeah, I skated as a te- <laughs> I, I skated as a teenager, but I, I got on a skateboard a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Nope, never going to do that again." <laughs> yeah, because I tell you, unless you just keep doing it, because you know my heroes are like Steve Caballero and Tony Hawk and Lance Mountain and Mike McGill and like all these wonderful skaters from the '80s. You know, Christian Hosoy, and they're all in their early to mid fifties now, and they still shred. But it's one of those things, like once you get a little older, once you go past like 35, you know, I think you start to lose coordination and things unless you just continue to do it every day. Because there's certain things, you know, like uh, I played high school basketball and stuff, but I don't ever play now. But if I go to play a pickup game with my son, I'm so awkward now. But skateboarding, I still skate like I'm 15 years old. And I think it's because like I never, never stopped. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, amazing. So what was the first product that you released once you started Q? The El Camino, our 22 silencer. It was the easiest low-hanging fruit, and we got it done within about two days. Wow. There you go. I mean, you had obviously had a lot of experience that by that point uh, designing these things. Is it, uh, is it titanium? Um, the El Camino has stainless steel, 17-4 stainless steel baffles, and the uh, tube and end caps are titanium. And they're uh, PVD coated. Very nice. What sets the El Camino apart from a lot of the other cans that are on the market? It's about half the weight without 
resorting to all titanium or aluminum. Um, you know, what sets Q apart, and this is going to be for any product you ask, is our team. You know, more than half the employees probably, or we're right at half of the employees, are degreed engineers. You know, we're I, I, I would say we're an innovation company and an engineering company that focuses on small arms. You know, whether it's the fixed rifle, a 308 with a 16-inch barrel folding stock weighs six pounds. We didn't skeletonize it or resort to, you know, some exotic material to get the weight. It's just engineered from the ground up. And whether you're buying a $300 22 can from us or a $3,000 rifle, you know, when you pick up the fix or the honey badger, you know it feels different. You know it feels right. And, uh, you know, there's certain things you can't quantify, but obviously we can wait with durability. And that's what you're going to see with Q. And that's what sets us apart is we want to be the best. We're di- we're driven by competition and being better. And I don't feel like we compete with other silencer companies or gun companies. Like We're competing with ourselves for our own experiences and what we want to achieve. And I think it comes through in the products and in the marketing and in the culture here and, you know, the satisfaction that we get with the products. You know, I, I was listening, I listened last night to your podcast uh, for the first time and uh, you guys do a good job, by the way. Thank and, you. Um, you're welcome. Mike Pappas is a good friend of mine and someone that I really respect in our industry. And so I listened to his deal with you guys, which he's always a good time. I think their mask 22 silencer is incredible. It's the only silencer of that size. It's as quiet as the element that we did at AAC back in the day, 10 years ago. And that was only great because we worked on it nonstop. One engineer for a year, that was his job. But you know, that mask weighs six and a half ounces. Our El Camino weighs four, 4.2 ounces. You know, we could make the mask. He made the mask very quiet and short. We could make it weigh half as much. And I I think that's what separates us, the attention to detail in every aspect of a product. That's great. When you, uh, so you started off with a suppressor. How long did it take before you started getting into firearms? We had a meeting the first week about the fixed rifle, which is, the most innovative gun probably in 25 years, in my opinion, within the firearms industry. Um, we had been wanting to do it for a long time. Ethan and I had been talking about it, and we just had the right group together. We had a meeting that week. In six months, we were shooting a prototype, and the only thing on that gun that we didn't design and we don't make at this point is the pistol grip. They use the AR pistol grip. Why do you think that the fix is the most innovative gun in a long time? Well, because it is. It's the first bolt gun where the sear is in the bolt and the bolt body. So like your Glock pistol, for instance. So we don't have the scary trigger issues like a Remington-based gun. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Remington, all those guns are based on the Mauser from the late 1800s. Bolt guns haven't really been touched. Mm-hmm. All that's happened is you put now a Mauser in a chassis. And that's been the innovation, which chassis are cool. But, you know, the Accuracy International chassis, which I like a lot, the AX chassis, it weighs six pounds. Our gun weighs six pounds. The the fix has a 45-degree bolt throw, so half the throw of a 700, which is 90 degrees. So it's very fast. The bolt rides on rails, so you can't bind it. We don't have to hand-fit things. The receiver is aluminum, and it's a unibody, one-piece upper-lower. So it's very rigid, and we can make it lightweight. It uses barrel extensions like an AR-15 and has replaceable bolts. It uses AR-15 
10 or SR25 magazines. So, you know, the Magpul mags are 15 bucks a piece. You can switch barrels in two minutes on the tailgate of your truck. So you can go to a shorter barrel, different caliber, whatever. You have a fully adjustable folding, we'll call it a sniper stock, because you get all those adjustments. People can probably understand it. Um, we get an extremely lightweight. As a result of putting the sear in the bolt with the striker, we can maintain that tolerance. And on a Remington, you know, the sears and the trigger pack, and that's pinned to the bottom of the receiver. So you have a huge tolerance stack. So on my Remington 700, my custom guns, they have a, you know, ounce and a half trigger in them. It is so unsafe. You can't you can't make that gun safe. So I don't close the bolt until I'm ready to shoot. Um, with ours, we can do a two pound trigger and it's drop safe. Uh, it's a crisp, safe trigger for the first time ever in a bolt gun. Wow. That, where you can get to those weights for production, and it's the first precision production gun where things aren't hand-fitted, but the gun shoots lights out. It's, and it's just very practical. The gun, when you fold the stock on that, it's shorter than a, a, a Mark 18, a 10-inch 5.56 M4. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a 16-inch 308. Do you ever get criticized for your lightweight products? Like, do people associate associate that with, like, being, you know, like, less durable? You know, I don't think a ton. And I just think that, like, that is... Like a blanket statement like that would show such ignorance, in my opinion. If you take something and you skeletonize it to cut weight, you can end up with durability issues. Um, but no, if you know what's going on and we know what needs to be durable and where weight needs to be, then it's just, I mean, and ignorant not meaning someone is stupid, but they just don't have the knowledge. Mm-hmm. We put everything that's critical where it needs to be. Like, you don't need a heavy buttstock on your bolt-action rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to add weight to your gun, put it on the barrel where it really makes a difference. You only need a steel receiver because the bolt is locking into the receiver. It's not locking into a barrel extension. You know, there are 50 calibers that have aluminum receivers because the bolt locks into a barrel extension. I just think... Most people don't know and understand, but, you know, titanium silencers, which is primarily what we build. Do you need that? Is it good for a full auto short barrel five, five, six? No, it's not the best material, but for 99% of the people in the commercial market, the titanium silencers we build, it's the best material to get the strength to weight ratio and the performance that people really want. The fix made a big splash when it came out and some people that I truly, truly respect as, as shooters have done nothing but rave about it. I, I imagine you've heard that a lot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, because you got to be careful because people will kiss your ass. <laughs> but yes, yeah, Sean, I, I, you know, I know the product is good. And, you know, it's a very soft market right now for firearms. We have the fix, if the production rate that we have today the wait is 13 and a half months. Now, the way we're ramping production, the current wait is actually seven months. That tells me what I need to know. And I shoot. You know, I do long-range hunting. I just got back from Africa. I was there for two weeks stalking, and I killed 14 animals. I know what the gun can do. It's great that people accept it, and I'm very excited that it is meeting and exceeding expectations. But I mean, it, I don't know. It sounds very arrogant, but I'm not surprised one bit. Like I knew the gun was badass. That's why we built it. Yeah, It's not arrogance when it's true. Yeah. That's what I'd always try to tell yeah. Ava. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I am, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, 
the gun the gun speaks for itself and i love the gun like i have a lot of guns and the honey badger and the fix are the only in that and well i use a 22 a fair amount too for like at my farm shooting raccoons or squirrels or whatever but those are the only two guns i use and i've got probably a couple thousand guns and i use them because they're practical not because i'm proud of them because we did them i'm proud of them and to own them because they're the most practical guns that I own. You know, the honey badger, just that gun being four and a half pounds and with a small optic and a silencer on it being five and a half pounds, that gun is so useful. I can ride my dirt bike around my farm and have the gun slung and stop instantly and shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not cumbersome. Go ahead. Oh, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. So um, that's what really gets me excited. And I think if we do our job, um, you know, my my goal and and belief was if we do our job and these turn out the way we know they can, you know, the industry and the gun buying public will accept it and we will be successful. And and we're enjoying that now. So so that's very exciting. We're here talking to Kevin Brittingham from Q, and we're going to take a brief moment to hear from Hackett Equipment. Hey, Sean, did you know that they released the Little Bertha? I did. Do you know anything about it? I know that it's literaler, literaler, literaler. Oh, okay. I'll just take over. So Little Bertha, it's basically like the Big Bertha, but it's little. But I think it's it's like the EDC bag, except it has straps instead. It has two backpack straps instead of one sling strap. Yeah. And it's coyote tan, which is my favorite color. That's my favorite color. No. You're always copying me. You're always copying me. This is such BS. Anyways, I suppose we're going to get one and you're going to take it. Well, yeah, definitely. This uh, is guys, uh, advertisers little, out there of gun funny. There's two of us, but they only like me, <laughs> but the, they, they haven't gotten I, to know me. I the favorite. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> so the little Bertha comes in coyote tan. It has two straps. It's basically like the EDC bag with those, uh, two differences. If you guys are interested, go to hackettequipment.com. Use the code GUNFUNNY, and that gets you 10% off. So even if they're having a sale, you can still apply that code and uh, and then get an even better sale. All right. Let's get back to Kevin from Q. So with the lead time, you know, I always see like there's companies that are like, hey, you know, it, it'll take months for you to get your product. Do you ever have you ever considered about maybe just like hiring more people or do you think that if you were to hire more people to speed up production time that it would sort of take away from the product you know i think that's a good question and and and, you know and also a, a pretty obvious question something i debate internally every day we grew for the last eight years i owned advanced armament we grew 50 to 100 percent a year and that was always a limitation of resources for us. And some years I grew too fast and it cost us in quality and in other areas. Um, with this company, I'm being very careful with it and we have a plan to grow and I'm going to stick to that. It's just like with the fix right now, when you have a backlog like that, I could charge a thousand dollars more for every gun, honey badger and the fix that I ship out of here right now. But I don't think it's good for the company long term. Mm-hmm. And I think just increasing production and quality, if we don't have the quality control in place, we don't have the ability to test fire all the guns for accuracy if we do all those things. 
that the potential for quality for it to slip is is really an honest concern and fear of mine and we will make a lot more mistakes and what's the advantage we get some more money now yeah i don't really see it as an advantage i think we have the what's the saying about you know one time to make a first impression and you know i make money if we don't get guns shipped back to us because we screwed something up mm-hmm. and so i'm going to adhere to that and we're going to have responsible growth and a responsible growth rate and you know we'll ship the product in the market once it ships from here can decide on you know if they want to charge more and what the demand is for the product i i noticed that you mentioned uh 8.6 blackout. And I'm pretty sure I saw something about that recently. I just, I can't, I don't recall much about it. Tell us about it. Yeah. So when we did 300 blackout at AC back almost 10 years ago, and we knew pretty instantly within two weeks, we felt like we knew it was going to be commercially successful, you know, and Remington refused to even do it. Hornady made all the first bullets and stuff. So our own parent company thought it was stupid. And I, I think it's, you know, it's tough to argue now. I mean, it's obviously been successful. But we wanted to do it for the 308 size guns, the SR-25s, AR-10s. And we started with 338 Federal, which is a great cartridge, which is just what we did with Blackout. Now, the problem with with 338 Federal, and basically it was a 308 case with a 338 bullet in it. Well, they didn't shorten the case enough to be able to put long subsonics in it and it's still feed in a magazine. So we've had to shorten it up. So we, you know, it's basically, if you're familiar with the Remington 260, it's a great cartridge. But now bullets are longer than when that was developed. So if you load the long bullets in a 260, they don't fit in short action magazines. Mm-hmm. So that's why 6.5 Creedmoor became popular because it's a shorter case and you can load the long bullets. So that's exactly what we did. 300 Blackouts, Big Brother, for 308-based guns, short-action guns. And now with arm braces, it makes a ton of sense because we can offer the gun with a 12-and-a-half-inch barrel, which is what all this is being developed for. And uh, 8.6 Blackout is a, you know, 8.6 is 338. So the 8.6 Blackout supersonic rounds where you get full magazine capacity and just like Blackout, 300 Blackout, it's just a barrel swap from 308. Out of a 12-and-a-half-inch barrel, the supersonic 155-grain 8.6 blackout has more mu- muzzle energy than 16 to 20 inch 308. Right. So for short range, it is far superior. So inside 300 yards, it beats 308 even with a much shorter barrel. And then just like 300 blackout, you can put in a 325, 350 grain subsonic round. It cycles gas guns, expanding subsonic bullets. And it's 124, 125 dB, about as quiet as a 22. But you get, you know, you send through over 300 grains downrange. Wow. Is this a rename, basically, of what was being referred to, I think, August or something like that as 8.6 Creedmoor? Yeah, it's the same thing. Originally, okay. it started as 338 Creedmoor, and that's what all of our first brass is. But then I wanted to change it to 8.6. And then, you know, I really used Creedmoor because the idea was – we're, you know, these these guns will have a one and two, one and three twist barrel. So we're spinning the bullet really fast. So you get energy, rotational energy too, which, you know, directly correlates with terminal energy. So we're doing that. So the idea was to make subsonic super accurate. And that's how you do, do it is you spin a long, slow bullet really fast. 
And so Creedmoor was two things, to show that it's a precision round, but then also to try to get Hornady on board with doing it for us. It makes a lot of sense. That's that's pretty awesome. Is it When is it going to be widely available, and are you making guns for it now? Um, we're not making guns for it now. We're settling it all now. Hornady's on board, and it was actually there. Um, Jason Hornady's idea to change it to blackout. And we're going to do that. And I think it makes a lot of sense because then people know exactly what it is when you say it um, or what the intended purpose is. They're going to do the hard launch um, with commercially loaded ammo at SHOT Show 2020, so just over a year from now. And we're finalizing the case and um, stuff now, and that's going to be the cartridge is going to be submitted to SAMI here in a couple months for SAMI approval. And we're developing the super and subsonic bullets with Hornady right now and for those commercial loads. So in 2020 at SHOT Show, they'll probably have two to three subsonic loads and two to three supersonic loads with, excuse me, with bullets that are designed from the ground up for this that aren't just a 338, you know, Lapua Magnum bullet that's shoved in this. It's one that's designed to perform at the velocities that we're launching this bullet at. So that's pretty exciting. But this year, you, guns will start shipping from us. There will be barrels available. There will be uppers and um, SR-25 base 308 gas guns available. There will be brass available and projectiles for loading. And you'll probably see smaller companies loading ammo and offering loaded ammo um, this year as well, or wow. 2019. We see a ton of wildcat cartridges and, and stuff coming into the industry. And I mean, with bringing 300 blackout to market, you probably have a really good idea of how this, is, how that works. But my question for you is if you could think of like one key principle that separates something from being a wildcat round to something used in heavy adoption, what would that be? I think ease of use. When we based it on the AR-15, you know, you've seen examples of 6.8 SPC, mm -hmm. um, 7.62 by 39, 6.5 Grendel, which is a really wonderful cartridge. The problem is they don't fit full capacity into the magazine or they require special magazines to go into an M4. So that's kind of a non-starter. And then when you have to change the bolt out and you make the bolt weaker by opening up the bolt face, that's an issue. When it can just be a barrel replacement, you don't need special mags. You get full capacity of the magazines and the gun operates. And you have super and subsonic options because now with the popularity of silencers, that's far more important than it was 15 years ago. I think those are the elements that make it successful. You know, Hornady, for instance, they love subsonic stuff and they want the 8.6 blackout to be more biased towards subsonic. And the fight we've had with them, believe it or not, is for the supersonic. We don't want to sacrifice the supersonic cartridge because the supersonic cartridge is incredible. And it has to be a balance of those things. And, you know, people, especially bench rest or precision guys or anybody, they get obsessed about one component. And I think with my attitude, and I'm like relatively open-minded with, with a lot of things, is we want to do a lot of things well. There's always going to be compromises. And if I just want to sit down on a bench and shoot the, the, the best group, that is one particular gun and one particular ammo. But if I want one gun that I can shoot really well with and do a, a number of things with, target shoot, shoot with my kids recreationally, I can go to Africa and hunt with it, then there are compromises. And just identifying where is a, a smart place to compromise and what you're giving up. You know, for the fixed rifle, for example, is another one. 
we want quick change barrels. You know, you always just want to press a button and swap a barrel. But when you do that, you lose accuracy. The gun gets heavy, expensive, more complicated. And, you know, what's your original goal? So you have to balance these things. But I think with the cartridges, make it easy to convert a gun with as few sacrifices and compromises as possible. And then make the ammo available. I noticed I noticed that the guns that you produce, they're all a bunch of different colors. Was your decision not to paint your firearms aesthetic or for engineering purposes? Well, yeah, I mean, I think painting is really stupid unless it's just for like camo <laughs> or something. You know, I mean, think painting. Why do you want to paint things? It just adds cost to the gun, um, makes the gun heavier. It makes assembly and all much much more difficult and painting doesn't really offer you anything other than a color change and we did the honey badger originally in clear because that was going to the government and those guys actually paint their guns for like camouflage reasons like real reasons yep and we knew they were going to do it anyway and the guns um we wanted the best finish on the gun because you know for corrosion and erosion and you know surface wear all of these things that are actually important to the use of the guns for guys that are relying on them to save their lives and so we selected clear hard coat anodized because when you add dye into it, all you're doing is doing that to get a color. And it makes the finish not quite as good as before you put the dye in it. They look great, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, I kind of like – it's like uh, the scar, you know, it kind of – eighty. how many shades of FDE is, is the scar? And it's kind of just like reminds me of that that color scheme as far as – uh, everything's real neutral and goes together well. And it's kind of a natural camouflage. I'm looking at the honey badger right now and the one listed on the website. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It's, Keep it's, this in our Sean. You know, it, if you want camouflage, black is the worst. And then having the gun all one color is the worst thing. But, you know, some people like that. And I think you can paint the gun if you want. And that's up to you. But that's not something we're going to do because I don't think it's the best thing overall. For certain situations, yes. But, I think the best thing is the clear anodize. I think, you the, know, we take it. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think the best thing is like the, the rainbow, you know, unicorn pattern, but you know, that's just a matter of preference, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, the thing is when you try to anodize or paint guns too, if you mix the paint a little differently for one batch of parts, it never ends up matching. And yeah, yeah, I, I don't, but I, you know, I love aesthetics. Like I love design marketing, uh, huge. I've got a big art collection even in my house. So all those things are important to me. And it is hard to really, you know, qualify some of the statements or the way I feel about things. But I want the stuff to look good. And, you know, like I put a ton of effort into picking the color plastics for the honey badger. And that was the hardest part for me because I wanted it to, as things, as shades of anodizing change, I wanted everything to still look good and look correct together. So I put a lot of effort into that. Yeah, it looks great there. Mm-hmm. They look they look awesome. What what would you say is the product that you're most proud of bringing to market in your entire uh what'd you say, twenty five years you've been in the industry? Yeah. I, you know, you always hope that it's the next one. Uh, uh I mean I would say the fix right now, and it was the honey badger when we did that, and it was three hundred blackout when we did that, and when we won all of the SOCOM contracts for silencers about ten years ago. And we're the first machine gun silencer and all those things. You know, we've accomplished a lot, a lot of things. And I think some of the things we're real proud of, the the industry might not necessarily agree is the best thing. But 
Uh, right now, it would definitely be the fix, the innovation that is in that gun. And that gun's expensive to me. It's $3,000. But no matter any gun store I go in, it's the best value. And it was important to me to, although the gun is expensive, to make it an aspirational gun for guys that maybe don't make a lot of money but want great products. You know, I could sell the first 3,000 of those for six grand a piece, and maybe financially for me it makes more sense. But that we were able to design and do all that and fit it into a price where I wanted to be, where I felt like everyone could own one at some point. I'm super proud of it. So you do a podcast as well. Uh, what's it called? What's it about? What do you guys do? It's called the Q&Ass podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, I just didn't, started didn't it. Say ask, I don't even Sean. remember why. Sean laughed because I think Sean heard ass instead of ask. Oh, Q and ask. I thought he's, I thought you said Q and ass. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, I, it does stand for Q and ass. <laughs> but, <laughs> See? So you were right. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, no, it's um, asterisks. Like the, the first six or seven I, I was intoxicated on. So <laughs> I don't even really know what those are about. But it's basically – I think just sharing some industry knowledge and like friends that I, you know, guys and that I like and respect in the industry. And I get so many questions, which you guys probably do too, in, in our direct message on Instagram. Like I run our Instagram account and I get all those direct messages. And that's really the only way people can communicate with me. But I get like 40 questions a day. And then I hear so much bullshit from these companies that, you know, been around three or four years. Or there's so many lies with silencers, it drives me insane. So I don't even stay on the boards or any of that crap anymore because there isn't real regulation. So my goal was to really share information uh, that I thought was relevant, answer questions, and then people who I know are legitimate in the industry have discussions with them about things to try to help to paint a better picture of some of the, the bullshit that goes on in the industry and how customers are misled. Yeah. Tell so, us what are some yeah. of those lies? Well, sound reduction with silencers is a big one. Full auto rated is stupid. There is no like there is no protocol for that. Um, the test that is kind of becoming standard for that, we actually did with a military unit and came up with that on the fly one day. Those are ones I God, I don't even no, now, but there's like four things a day I laugh at that someone <laughs> forwards me. The, the silencers, it, it's always been just ridiculous, though. So many people lie about sound metering and stuff. So we don't even publish numbers anymore. Mm -hmm. With our experience with silencers, Ethan and I have tested more silencers than probably the rest of the industry put together. We could make the quietest silencer in the world anytime we want in any caliber. I am 100% confident in that. But what I realized like 10 years ago when we really started delivering everything to the military was sound is generally like 10th on the priority list of 10, as long as it's like quiet enough. And so we started working all these other aspects that make the product better and you know, commercially give the user a better user experience and a better product to last them their lifetime. And so – a lot of that stuff drives me crazy that like you asked me about if something's lightweight, how can it be durable? And the answer is like real engineering. Mm -hmm. like, I guarantee you, we have more engineers in this building than every other silencer company in this country put together. Wow. You know, there were six engineers, degreed engineers that worked on just the fixed rifle, six on one gun with a company this small. So 
every other person in this company is a degreed engineer. So we do actual engineering. Um, and that's how we make the best, lightest, strongest products. I love it. So can you give us any exclusives on your future plans? Exclusive future plans. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, well, I don't mean to put you on the I'm spot. I'm generally pretty open <laughs> because I'm like so arrogant that I can tell companies what we're going to do and they can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. We're doing the Megafix, which is a 300 WinMag version. Five, five, six. I'm trying to think what would be a special thing nobody knows about. I know. No. Nothing like putting you on the spot. Well, I would share it with you if I could think of one. You know, most of the innovation lately has been as we ramp and we grow the company and we're shipping hundreds and hundreds of guns a month. Um, Vendors that we selected for certain parts, whether it be a trigger for the AR, a barrel for the fix, whatever little part, we realize they can't make, as they ramp, they can't deliver quality products. And so then it forces us in a position to either help them redesign their part if they're open to it or design our own so that we can control it. And then we inevitably fix stuff that we didn't like about their part anyway. I really want to give you something because you've been so nice. And I'm trying to think of what that would be. I don't know. I, I really don't. We're working on a bunch of stuff, but I post it all on our Instagram. That's pretty epic. Um, you know, one thing that we do that's cool, too, is to skip the line. If you want one of our products, you can buy the products on our from, you know, through your dealer on our website. And then you email Tori at com, And uh, we do build days, customer build days every Friday. And so you can make an appointment. You can come and build your own gun. And for the fix, it's such a special deal because the gun is so different. And you build it with the engineers that designed the gun, and they walk you through every part. You do the entire assembly, and you know why every single little bit of the gun is designed and built the way it is. Sean. So it really educates you on the gun. And then you hang out and drink beer with us and that is such a cool experience. I'm yeah, no, no, no kidding. Awesome Sean, hurry up and book our flight. <laughs> right. What state are you in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're 45 minutes north of Boston, 45 minutes south of Portland, Maine, on the ocean. All right, we're so coming. It's my favorite. <laughs> well, yeah, come on. It's my favorite town in America. And I, and I tell you, it's a special experience here. You know, I love guns. I don't really like our industry. You know, at SIG, it really sucked. Like, my kids couldn't come visit me at work, and that really bothers me. So we have an arcade and queue, and anyone's children are welcome here any and every day as long as they want. You know, I I love that. Uh, It's just a really cool experience. And, you know, today we had a meeting because we have a customer build day in December, which is when we're going to have our company party. And our, our company Christmas parties get way out of hand. And... So they were trying to move it all around. I'm like, no, how many people do we have? Okay, well, let's just let them know that's going on and they're welcome to stay and be part of the party and the Yankee swap and all the crap we're going to do. And they just need to be aware of what's going to go down. So I think we're pretty open, which is fun. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great stuff. Where can people find everything Q related uh, on the Internet? On our Instagram, the uh, official Q, which is the underscore official underscore Q. Our website is live free or die or no, it's not. That's the state motto that it's live Q or die.com <laughs> is our website. And that's probably, that's probably most of it. 
All right. That's so awesome. Thanks so much for being with us, man. It's, it's truly been a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you-, you guys so much. I appreciate the time and you guys having me on. And if you need anything, let me know. Are you going to be at SHOT Show? No, that's the advantage of like being kick-ass and awesome and backwards. I don't ever have to go to SHOT Show again. And, and I used to like it. I mean, I went for 20 years in a row. But. No, because we're having a party. I was going to invite you to our party. Well, it's all well, right. That's sweet. Thank, thank you. I like <laughs> He's like, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys come see us. Well, I'll have a party for you. We'll make up for it. Okay. That sounds like a plan, I'll, man. I'll keep uh, Sean in the arcade room. I mean, where where else am I going to be? <laughs> That's where all the children hang out in the party. <laughs> exactly. As long as there's whiskey, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, he can't be around the children. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's another cool thing. We get whiskey and beer sent to us every day from customers and fans uh, because we were pretty open about our drinking and gun assembly. So it just now there's like so much free alcohol. You're welcome to come and drink all you want. Uh, I don't think you realize what you just offered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> well, it's true. prove it. All right. I love it, man. Thanks again for being here. It's been truly, truly awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Yeah, you Bye. too, man. Too. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Ava. That was, uh, that was awesome. That was one of our longest episodes, but damn, just like when we have those guests that, that like really invented things in the industry, I think it's so important. I know. To just it's like, I didn't him. want him to stop talking. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 100% agree. Which brings us, I guess, to our next segment. I'm so glad that he actually had to go because that is our, our prank call segment brought to us by Matador Arms. So if you guys aren't familiar with Matador Arms, they are known for their SKS accessories. If you have an SKS and you want to upgrade it, I would definitely check out matadorarms.com. They have all kinds of stuff. And if you find something you like, use the code GUNFUNNY10. That gets you 10% off. 10% off? That's right. That is amazing. I love it. Thank you, Matador Arms. And they also sponsor our prank call segment. And, you know, Kenny moved to California. That, That has multiple meanings. But here we go. It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! Hey there, my name is uh, Kenny. I just I just moved here uh, from Alabama. I was wondering, <laughs> could, could someone tell me what the deal is uh, just trying to buy the handguns? Uh, what the deal is, you have to have a California driver's license, firearm safety certificate, and uh, vehicle registration. All with your current uh, license or current address on there. Uh, okay, I, I got I got most of that. I, I don't got my vehicle registration yet, but uh, what what kind of handgun can I buy now? Uh, there's something called a California handgun roster. If you look that up on the internet, it will tell you exactly every handgun we're allowed to sell in California. All right, now you got all them there in the store. I'm sorry. You got all them there in the store. All the ones that I could buy. Uh, we have uh, the ones that we're uh, you know able to get. Some uh-huh. are you know made in such small quantities we're not able to get them, but uh, we have whatever we can. All right. Now, now, getting back to all the stuff that you got to have in Alabama, you just got to have like a heartbeat, and even that's kind of questionable to get a gun. But it, it seemed like I may have made a mistake in moving to California for work uh, because now I can't even defend myself. Um, uh, what, what's your what's the best gun you think that you got there that that I w- would be able to buy once I provide all let, the? Let me get your name and number. Call you back. I've got uh, some people waiting here. Mm-hmm. So let me get your name. My name is Kenny. Okay, Kenny, and your phone number. 
It is 719 and then mysteriously disconnected. No, mysteriously. So okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't know what to do by click. <laughs> uh, Ken, uh, Ken is having a hard time yeah. right now figuring this out. He's like, what's your number? I'm like, uh, 719. Colorado. Really okay. Colorado. I gave him a Colorado I know. area. I know. I realized that. an idiot. Yep. Well, what can you do? What can you do? I will say, though, God, I would hate to move to California and figure out how I'm going to get a gun. I'm limited to the amount of guns that I can get. But uh, I will say everyone's like, oh, you know, screw California. They could be their own country. But no. guys, just remember, whatever happens to California could possibly happen to your state. So, well, in some cases, like it already if, has. If, yeah. I mean, if someone wanted to give somebody AIDS, uh, that's now legal in California. Yeah. But, you know, guns, very limited. OK, well, I guess we both have our interests. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing about. This is a really serious conversation. Mm. <laughs> All right. Palmer 80. So they just released the PF940CL hybrid. And uh, I posted it on my Instagram. I, I completed mine. Sean, you're still waiting for yours. I'm still waiting for my parts. Yeah, it's okay. Keep waiting. Maybe we, the maybe the parts that we got in were actually for me, and you should have been waiting for your parts. Probably not, because guys, here's the thing. I, I actually own Gun Funny. Sean's just kind of the the assistant, the uh, you mm, know. But I own the Firearms Radio Network, and I yeah, I but own, that's fine. We can live somewhere else. I have else. all the feeds. We could live somewhere else. It's not a big deal. I mean, you don't have the feed though. Okay, that's real cute. <laughs> yeah, what's up? So polymer eighty. We did recently. We gave one away. To uh, somebody random who actually now just became a patron. His name's Ben. Oh yeah, that's all. Uh, yeah, I think it was last week or two weeks ago that we gave we gave it away to just one lucky winner. All you had to do was just put in your email and your first name, and we we drew a winner. Give it away! Give it away! Give it away now! That's right. So we're not doing that anymore. We are going to in the here in the new future. Actually, we are going to give away another hybrid. Nice. But just to our Patreon. So if you guys just are interested, think about becoming a patron. Now would be a good time. Anyways, if you guys are interested in any other products, go to polymer80.com and use the code GUNFUNNY and that gets you 10% off anything on their website. Boom. They even have holsters. That just happened. It's basically the one-stop shop. It is the one-stop shop. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. The Smith & Wesson Shield has been out, or the Smith & Wesson Shield 380 Easy has been out for a while, but we got one a few months back, and I wanted to play around with it before I actually, like, gave my opinion about it. What I will say is, like, so as an instructor, you guys know that I teach, like, at least three classes a week, and I always get a lot of women in my class, specifically women, uh, that just can't rack the slide, can't load the magazine, they really struggle with it. I'm not a huge fan of you know, setting them up with a revolver. I'm not a big revolver fan, but I will say that the Smith and Wesson shield 380 easy is probably the best gun out there. If somebody out there is having a hard time racking that slide, loading the magazine, operating the gun and, uh, and it shoots really well. It's, I mean, even if like, if the shooters, you know, limp wristing it a little bit, like it's pretty, and I'm not saying that you should limp wrist it, but it is definitely, um, uh, it's pretty reliable. You know, especially for it's super easy to rack the slide. I mean, you could basically do it with one finger. The mag, uh, in order to load it, it has that little, um, what is it, like on the 22s, the little side things where you can pull down on it to make it oh, much yeah, easier yeah, like to, the, to load. Oh, yeah, like the spring compression assist on the mm -hmm. side of the magazine, mm -hmm. yeah. So 
yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an easy gun to operate. It seems to be a favorite among new shooters. And uh, and then also, you don't have to pull the trigger to disassemble it. So it's kind of dummy-proof to, to a degree, because yeah. I know a lot of people manage to shoot themselves. It's like they kind of took everything that everyone complained about on the internet and kind of put it into this one. And it's in the platform that everyone knows I love. I'm an unabashed M&P fanboy. They are my favorite gun to shoot, and I shoot the best with them. Uh, and I will say, like, women come to classes – uh, and and older guys and just people who have uh, you know limited mobility or strength in their hands, and some of these guns like the the shield, man, it is impossible for them to rack. We can teach them techniques, we can show them all these all these things, and it's still just not easy. They get it, but it's not easy. And you know, and when you when you say the shield, it's like the shield in nine forty forty five. Mm-hmm. That is probably the the stiffest gun out there. At least like brand new, it's very stiff too. To rack definitely and it's tough and and seeing this so when the the easy came out i actually shot it and i was like you know what i, I kind of like this i'm comfortable carrying a 380 because you know with with ammo these days I, I am comfortable with it so i got it and then actually had it in a class with a couple people a couple of classes now with a couple of people who had severe severely diminished strength in their hands things like that and they were able to master racking that thing in no time. I mean, I can literally use one finger, uh, even my pinky and, and push back on the slide on the sights or something and it'll go. And I think that's huge. And then just to have the safety features like a loaded chamber indicator and the magazine assist on the sides. Uh, the one thing I don't necessarily love is the grip safety. Yeah. I, I would totally agree with you on that. Not that it's a bad implementation, but it's a bad implementation. I like the 1911 grip safety a little more and shooting competition single stack 1911s for, for quite a while. Even sometimes I would get a bad grip and pull the trigger and nothing would happen because I hadn't fully depressed the grip safety on this. I saw it happen a couple times. Uh, you definitely have to have good firing grip and the hand strength to do it. But I don't think that that's a, a negative to the point where it's a deal breaker for me. I think that this is a pretty amazing little gun and so far i've been really satisfied with a the usability of it for people who have diminished hand strength whatever the size of it is pretty great as well capacity is reasonable it's not great not bad eight rounds yeah eight plus one and i i don't know i i think that it's a really good offering and i know it's been selling a shitload of them for smith and wesson as well so great job smith and wesson i don't necessarily love the company but i do love their products yeah i agree and really just one thing that I'd like to add is just, yeah, that grip safety. Because recently I taught a student and they just weren't gripping the gun well enough. And so they'd pull the trigger up what happened. And this was actually kind of nerve wracking because the student would pull the trigger. It didn't go off. And then she wants to point the gun a little bit sort of to the right or to the left to to look at the gun. And as a result, it wasn't pointing down range because she's like, what happened? Why didn't it go off? Is it jammed? So that grip safety was a little bit of an issue. So I think if they could make some that did not have the grip safety, that would be a little bit more ideal. Yeah. What What do you think would be a better option? Cause I'm like, I don't think a manual safety or a, what is it? Active safety is a better option necessarily. Yeah. I hate active safeties. That. I don't know. I mean, most MMPs don't have any safeties. They've just got, you know, the trigger safety, drop safe, all, all, all the internal stuff, but real, no real, real. External. I mean, they have, they have the, they have the active safety, uh, which is, on some of them. Yeah. like It's, it's my, not all of them, but you can always buy them with mm-hmm. the active safety. So I, I just wonder why they did that instead of, you know, using the safeties that they normally have. Well, I think that they created this gun to be sort of dummy proof. 
And, but I don't think that they were realizing that when they, when they design this and it's mostly for people that are, you know, that have limited hand strength, that that would be an issue. That's my opinion. Very well could I be. don't know. Or maybe that it didn't stick out as much because there, it sticks out quite a bit. I mean, compared to like any of the Springfields that have that same grip safety, mm-hmm. the shield easy definitely sticks out a little bit more. And it has, I think the spring on the grip safety is stronger than the spring on the slide. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> Which is kind of weird. It is. But anyways, it might be a gun that you guys want to check out. Yeah. And, and definitely if there is someone that has hand strength, injuries, things like that, something definitely go put your hands on one and see what you think. All right. It's your favorite time of the show. That's the time when I read the iTunes reviews. Uh, let's see. I actually didn't pre-read these, so I don't know if anyone is insulting me. Uh, let's see here. SNT strainers. SNT strainers. Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. Oh, is that a strainer company? Like they make colanders and maybe it's SNT S trainers. Oh, I didn't even see that. Anyway, five stars, greatest podcast ever. Ava and Sean are a great team. They have created a fun and informative podcast that keeps you wanting more. Take a listen. Once you do become a Patreon for that matter, become a $5 Patreon. Tommy and his five others need a new Hackett Equipment EDC bag. Well, keep up the great work, you two. <laughs> That's funny because we're actually one Patreon away from giving away that bag. And you do not have to be a $5 Patreon. You could be a dollar Patreon and still be eligible. Actually, no, you'd have to be. No, I'm sorry. That's $5 Patreon is the monthly giveaway. And then we just do random giveaways to Patreons. And so you could be you could pledge any amount of money. Yeah. So it could be a dollar. I totally just zoned out, so I didn't hear a word you said. Basically, we just need one other, one more Patreon, and we're giving away that bag. What? All right. Awesome. Siege78 says, five stars, loving the show more every week. Great interviews, great personalities, keeps me entertained while I'm at work or stuck in traffic. The prank calls keep me laughing, and the industry news keeps me up on all the latest gadgets and firearms. Do we do industry news? Nah, uh, sometimes. <laughs> okay, I was just making sure I was on the right show. <laughs> Jab1010 says, five stars, who's on the phone, honey? Exclamation point. The wide range of guests leave a plethora of topics. The hosts are able to ask good questions, but more importantly, listen and let the viewer listen. More prank calls with Malcolm and Gertie together. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. I think they I, are pretty funny, actually, when we do them together. They, they are. They're all right. I, I mean, you know, I mean, Malcolm and Gertrude, yeah, they just they're so the cute thing. together. Well, the problem is, is you won't shut your fucking mouth and let me talk sometimes. And that just it bothers me. So I, just I do, well, the problem is, well, is you're, you're doing just, it right now. OK, you're, you're just doing it right now. This is the problem. I think you. it's time to wrap Would up. You you're please, embarrassing me in front of our friends. OK, whatever. I mean, really, I just wonder what the people down the office think. Don't care. They probably hear us talking like this. Yeah, probably. Also, I hear them talking with their patients (laughs) (laughs) loudly (laughs) about moldy condoms. (laughs) Let's wrap this up. (laughs) You can find us. Basically, gunfunny.com is the place. It's got links to all of our all of our social media accounts, all the places where you can subscribe. We're on our radio, iTunes, everything. It's all there. Gunfunny.com. You know what we also have just added is uh, if you go on our website, gunfunny.com. Yeah. And then you click on support us. So we just became affiliates with all of these different websites. Uh, Amazon, Brownells, Palmetto State Armory, Facts and Firearms, all kinds of all kinds of uh, companies. So if you click on support us and oh. then you click on the sites that you want to go shopping at, 
we actually will receive a percentage of your sales. And it's just another way to support the show. I mean, you're going to buy it anyway, so why not? It, it costs you nothing. So just yeah. go to gunfunny.com slash support, and uh, it's got links there. So once you click that link, we're we're in the clear. Gun Mag Warehouse, Rainer Arms. Yeah. You name it, we're on there. Exactly. Now, guys, become Patreons. Honestly, that is one of the funnest things you could possibly do because the Patreon group uh, you know, sometimes people get drunk and get mean to the patrons. All right. Stop pointing fingers at me. <laughs> I wasn't really that mean, but sometimes I do get drunk because I'm usually on there in the evening. I'm drinking a glass of wine or seven. Sometimes it goes to my head mm. and then I start, you know, calling everyone names, joking around with them. But at the end of the day, we actually have a really good time. It, it, it is good. It, it really cracks me up. Like I'm always laughing and I, I actually get a lot of enjoyment out of the Patreon group. It's a, it's a safe space for people that, that don't need safe spaces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they become a Patreon? All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. And even a dollar pledge a month will get you into our Patreon only Facebook page. And it will also qualify you to win the Hackett Equipment EDC bag. Yep, absolutely. Now, we also have some $25 Patreons. And every time someone signs up for that. We now say their name every single week on the show. I think we've even got a few new ones lately. So the list is growing. Yeah. Would you like me to read it or do you want to read it? I'll read it. So Corbin Bonafide, he's been with us the longest. Corbin, we appreciate you, man. Hold on. I wonder if I've got a building. Hold on. Let me, let me just find this. Talk for a second, Ava. Okay. What am I supposed to talk about? This is super important. Uh, Nope. That's not it. Keep cocking. Okay. Here we go. I got it. And then let me just turn it down a little bit because it's going to be super loud. Okay. Say their name again. Okay. Corbin Bonafide. Iraq veteran 8888888. Okay. Okay. Iraq veteran 8888. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? Charger Arms. From uh, He's Adam Balzer as well. Yep. Ryan Morrison. But he likes it when you say his name with the R's. Uh, Ryan Morrison. Oh, yeah. He gets really turned on with that. (laughs) And then our newest one is Jon Snow. Winter is coming. Yep. <laughs> All right. And then our king of the Patreon is 2A Jewels. Yes. So when we were in Nashville, I believe, uh, he they came to our Firearms Radio Network get-together. And it was a lot of fun. Met him and his son. Two really awesome people and just really making beautiful stuff. Ava's got a lot of their jewelry. I also have. And he gave the cast of WLS uh, bracelets I don't, I can't speak for them. I have mine. I literally just had it in my hand yesterday and they're nice. It's a uh, basically paracord, but it's got a really super nice polished case head. And you know, they, they are really, really, really good looking. I know a lot of dudes out there wear the paracord bracelets and this is actually one with a lot of style. Yeah. And Sean's one of them. What's up, brah? Yeah. Yeah. You should just take a picture and post it on social media. That's literally why I had it in my hand. And then I just, I got distracted and had to leave. All right, guys. So you heard it. So it's not just for the ladies, but it's also for the men as well. Exactly. Bracelets for bros. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Patreon.com slash gunfunny. That's how you become a Patreon. We have an editor on the show. Your Patreon pledges help us pay for that. His name is Kenny Ortega. And today's call had nothing to do with his real life. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a happy accident. All right, guys. Until next week, we'll see ya. We will see ya. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.